0: Grow yourself and grow your marriage.
1: Chris and Johnna here with the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage Podcast. This is episode
2: number 74.
1: Alright, so on today's episode, guys, I would I would have to say, let's just get strategic. Go ahead and pop your headphones in and clean while you listen to this episode.
2: <laughs> Dude. <laughs> That's so true. This will encourage you like I am so anxious to put uh, put our headphones off and go clean because I'm so jazzed over this episode. We interviewed Ashley Stewart. Ashley is the owner of Rethink Clutter, which is a professional organizing business. The best part about Ashley though is not only is she a professional organizer, but she's a mom of 3, so she gets that us parents of little people cannot organize the same as the Pinterest organizers can
1: yes so rather than teaching the solution to get it clean she teaches the concepts of how to keep it clean and guys this episode is absolute fire
2: i'm not gonna lie guys this was literally like an on-air unexpected therapy session for me because (laughs) i did not realize all the emotional and mental issues i have with clutter uh on all sides of the coin so you get to hear that um i think the exciting thing about this is we're coming we've got christmas coming We have four little people, as you guys know, and there's toys everywhere. And it's like this this cycle of insanity of we clean the toys, the toys get dumped out. We clean the toys, the toys get dumped out. And so I personally am getting stressed about Christmas coming and knowing that the kids are going to get more toys. So I think this is a perfect episode to listen to, to help yourself get in the right mindset right before Christmas.
1: Yep. All right, guys. So without further ado, Ashley Stewart. Ashley Stewart, welcome to the show. Let's nerd out a little bit. <laughs> awesome. I love nerding out.
2: <laughs> oh, we're going to get... You two are going to get along just great Oh, then. we definitely will. <laughs> we're both excited about this um, interview, but for different reasons. And I think it'll be very apparent as we go We go Excellent. through here. So Ashley, we've already told them that you are the owner of... Owner, correct? Of Rethink Clutter? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so I really just want to ask you first, like just dive right in here. What the heck is Rethink Clutter? How did you get into it? Why? What's what's your what's your story?
0: Absolutely. So I am a professional organizer. Rethink Clutter is my company. I started it about five years ago and I actually started it um after like I mean, everybody's got the story, you know, and if you want to dive right in, it was Kind of the worst of the worst timing for me when everything hit all at once. we um, my husband and I had three kids in four years. We had just gone through a couple of deaths. We were he was getting out of the army, so it wasn't just like a a little job shift. This was an entire career shift. We uh, were moving across the country from New York to Montana. I mean, oh. everything, every major, life change you can think of. We were going through it all at the same time. And I found myself in Montana with three little kids with no friends, no family, uh, no support system in a house that that I didn't, you know, I, in a town that I wasn't familiar with, in a house that I didn't know. And I was lost. And I didn't know who I was, what I wanted to do, what the heck I was doing with three little kids. And it was in this moment of just desperation of, okay, what can I control um and I could control my house I couldn't control anybody else i couldn't you know I, I, the little kids come the way they are, and I couldn't oh, control you
1: them,
0: control I could control my house and what was coming into my house and what was leaving my house and how I could set things up so a very stressful situation could become just a little bit more manageable. and so i said, you know what? i can i think there's this thing called professional organizing. what if i give it a shot? what if i do this? and i i did a little bit of study, a little bit of research and i was like, you know what? i i can do this. i already know what i need to know. let's jump in and get it done. and famous last words, right? oh, i already know what i need to know. Yeah, no, you think you know what you're doing, but then you jump in and you realize how much you don't know. But I so I spent the last five years just observing human behavior when it comes to stuff and when it comes to what we're willing to bring into our house and what we are willing to let go of and what stops us from letting go. All of these emotional connections that we have with our stuff for whatever reason. Um, and so it was, it was interesting, you know, when I, when I started, I started as clutter cleanse, you know, and I went for the really serene, you know, I wanted to be the perfect Pinterest-y organizer. And I realized that wasn't practical and especially with three little kids and with everything else going on and the moves that we've made, you know, we just hit uh move number 20 for me last year. Um, oh and it was my. just, you know, what uh, Pinterest wasn't working for me. And so I thought, you know what, I spend so much time thinking about our thoughts revolving around clutter. What if I totally changed things up and went super practical and super, you know, kind of cerebral and said, okay, this is, this is what I want to do. And, you know, I, I got away from the, the serene and the pastels and went with, you know, bright orange glasses and, Hey, we're going to think about this and we're going to dive into the practicality of having an organized house. So thus I rebranded to Rethink Clutter and here I am. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm not gonna lie. You're getting me so excited right now because a couple Yay! things. First of all,
2: I know you're getting him excited because he's oh, all time. about practical.
1: Yes. You're getting yes. me excited
2: because i you're all about fun. <laughs> I am no because I am. But I'm a, I love organizational things. I get a little bit of a high off of buying wait, storage wait, wait. bins. No, don't, out me, you.
1: don't you. out me I, yet. Don't out me yet. I have to don't correct. Me yet. <laughs> she loves buying organizational. I love, things. I love
2: This is why I'm going to tell her that I'm excited about rethinking it because when I can't, we have four little ones, five and under. So I feel you you are all really close and it feels when you were first talking, I'm like, yeah, but it feels impossible to actually control the house. I can't wait for you to tell me how to do that because I buy all these storage bins (laughs) and they're so pretty. And I'm like prepared to organize, but it's very hard to organize with little people around because they just drag Mm. stuff out as you're trying to do it. And I just end up tossing a bunch of stuff in the bins and they don't look pretty like Pinterest. And it makes me angry. It makes me (laughs) feel like I'm failing. But then I, so they just put in a Dollar Tree by our house, and they have ben. so many oh, no. and bins for a dollar. And so I buy more, and, I, and the and the cycle of insanity <laughs> here continues. <laughs> and I'm still uh,
1: not
0: organized. So uh-huh. solve
1: our problem, Ashley. Please we need tell me how to <laughs> be
0: practical <laughs> with this. The number one mistake people do, thinking that they are going to get organized, is going to the store and buying bins. Oh,
1: oh no. my god. I, I love her. She's she's, she's the them. number one guest that's ever been on our show.
2: <laughs> He's like, dude, I think he actually set this up behind my back. Like, oh, I know I'm no the one who reached <laughs> out to you, but I think this
0: was manipulated somehow. <laughs> so the problem with it is, is because we're, we're addressing a symptom. We're not addressing a problem. The problem is there's a disaster. There's too much stuff. There's too much going on. We don't know how to handle the stuff. And so we we blame it on something else. Oh, if I just had a better bin, this wouldn't be a problem anymore. <laughs> I'm dying. Oh, i And so we go, buy, I need to we go buy bins, we go spend money, and the problem only gets worse. It doesn't get better because we're not addressing the problem. The problem isn't the bins. The problem is the stuff and how we interact
1: with the stuff. <sighs> Mm.
0: Mm. So I didn't expect this to be so intense.
1: Oh my gosh, I love it.
0: <laughs> so the the actual, um, the last step in the game is going to buy bins. That is the last thing you do. The first thing you have to do is rethink what's working and what isn't. What is working? Um, You know, rethink my interaction with the, the stuff. Rethink my interaction with the space. Um, and if I'm constantly, constantly, constantly surrounded by stuff that's just out, then I'm rethinking things like, where are my boundaries? And I don't care if you have teeny tinies. You raise them knowing and understanding boundaries, and they will get it. They will understand it. And it might take... It might take a couple of years, but a couple of years when they're little results in a whole lot of years of sanity when they're older and knowing and understanding boundaries. It could also mean rethinking how many toys are actually available at any given time to my children. So do I give them all of the toys, constant access to all of the toys all of the time because kids do not know how to put things away. They just don't. So if we only give them three things to play with, then there are only three things out on the floor that could possibly make a mess.
2: But what and if you, what you have
0: crazy kids who
2: climb? Because I locked... <laughs> oh, we, I, look, I tried this climber. for a second. I had a nice system. I had all these cute little bins. <laughs> I can't even <laughs> say this great face. Um, in the closet. And I put this lock on it. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. when you get this out, you play with it. And when you're done, you put it back. And then... And then they pop the lock and they're just wild.
1: Okay, wait. I want to address something about these bins. Mm -hmm. Can we practically talk about this? Is it practical to label bins of children's toys? Is it practical to label bins of children's toys? Because they're not going to put them back in the same bin.
0: So yes and no. And uh, let me tell you why it's both. Because if you have a huge bin that is full of 300 of something. No, that's not practical to label it and expect your kids to be able to put 300 of something back into a bin when you have 9,000 other toys spread out and you want them to category between those bins as well. What is practical is perhaps a picture label, especially if you're dealing with little kids, and maybe five things. That go in that bin, but how many bins are available to your kids? Right. If you have fifteen bins out on the floor, your kids are going to freak out. And yeah. one of the reasons why our kids don't clean up is because they are overwhelmed and they don't know how to tell us that they are.
1: Oh my gosh, you're so they, right! Overstimulation, just, yes. yes,
0: overstimulation, and so they look at this. They we tell them, "Hey, go clean up your toys," and they go um, and their little brain is going, I don't know how to compute this. Mm -hmm. Even though there's a picture here of a car, like there are so many cars, so many other toys out on the floor that to identify a car and to be able to pick it up and put it in that bin is so overwhelming to their little minds that it does not compute. And so they shut down. And they don't, even though, you know, we're there, okay, just look for the cars, look for the cars, look for the cars. They're not seeing cars, they're seeing disaster. And they don't want to find just the cars. This isn't a fun game anymore. But if they only have three bins, they have um, mega blocks, they have cars, and they have um, big fuzzy dice, then it's really easy to find, oh, there are only five cars. On the floor, but they're only in, intermixed with a couple of other things. So it's really easy for me to identify the five cars and go match them with the bin that they go in. So it all depends on quantity. Um, I think the latest statistic that I read is the average, I could be wrong, it was either the average 10 year old or the average 12 year old. I want to say it's the average 10 year old in America has almost 300 toys.
1: Well,
0: I, I believe it. it. I, I do believe it. I and believe it. That's and then smart. we expect them to keep that under control. Right. We yeah. expect them to ration that out. We expect them to share. We expect them to be able to keep their rooms clean and tidy with 300 toys. And if we have 300 toys, like if, you, if you're counting one Lego piece as a toy, you know what? There's one, like there's 300 toys right then and there, but they're counting a toy as the entire Lego piece put together the, the entire Lego set.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So if we have a bin full of Legos and a bin full of Lincoln logs and a bin full of Barbies and a bin full of my little ponies and they each have, I mean, that's insane yeah. to try yeah. to put it, that kind of pressure on our kids. You're, you're
1: so here's, here's a challenge and I love that. Here is a challenge for you. Oh, Chris, um, you can't that... even get like
2: 10 minutes no, no, no. in and you're already trying <laughs> no, no, no. to challenge somebody. This is a
1: challenge for her. 15 minutes. This is a challenge we're dealing with and I'm going to share it with you and steal some coaching. So <laughs> here we go. Awesome. So we have, like John said, we have four five and under. Now only three of them are functionally able to play right now, which thank God <laughs> at this moment. Okay?
2: <laughs> yeah, the but infant doesn't make very many messes. Here,
1: yeah. So here's the thing. We we have a closet downstairs where we, we did have the playroom. It's not there anymore. There was a closet that had toys in it. We had a lock on it. Uh, and our thought was, okay, if we keep everything away from them, they have to ask us to get stuff out. But then what we didn't realize was they're all going to play with different things, right? Uh-huh. So... Then, like, mom can't get anything done during the day because kids are constantly like, I want this, I want that, now I want this, I want that. And then we try to get them to put something away before the other person gets something else out. If we can't open up the closet until all of them put their stuff away, right? Then it becomes a disaster.
0: Yes. So, what's the root problem? The root problem is not toys, the root problem is the system that you've set up for them to access the toys. So mm-hmm. you've said if you want something ask for it. But then all they do all day long is just ask whereas yes. instead if you change the system and you say these are the toys that we're going to play with this week. If you don't want to play with these toys, that's fine. You can go outside. You have coloring instead of toys if you choose that, but these are the toys that we are going to play with this week. Next week you can ask for different toys. So you and do a toy boring. rotation. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend toy rotations. I do not, I have no problem with having large quantities of toys for them to rotate through because it teaches them different things. Each, each toy is going to teach them something else. Um, and each combination of toys is going to teach them something else. So it's totally fine for a seven-year-old to be playing with mega blocks. And the three year old to be playing with mega blocks because they're going to be playing with it in different ways. And so you say, okay, the three year old can be playing with mega blocks and the stuffies because they can build a cage for the stuffies, they can build, you know, whatever. Whereas the seven year old can play with the mega blocks with cars and trucks. Because the seven year old knows how to build roads and the mega blocks are all of a sudden going to become a road system and a town and all those things. And and all of a sudden, they're getting really, really creative with what they've got. Mm. And what are we going to hear the first week? I am so bored. Or so and so is hogging all of the toys because it's a new system. It's a new system and they have to get used to it. But the problem, again, isn't the toys. The problem is how you've set them up to be able to use the toys and access the toys. So you can have three different options, five different options of toys out, not 30, because then they're overwhelmed and they want to play with everything all at once and they don't know how to clean it up. So we give them five options of toys. We say, this is what you get for this week. End of story. Don't ask me for more toys because you're not going to get them. If you're bored, get creative, get creative with the toys that you have, or mm-hmm. you have a totally different option over there in a different room. You can get out the coloring if you want to, or the, you know, the, the, the paints if you want to, mm-hmm. but That's these really are the toys. Good. That's it. That's yeah it.
1: that's a super good solution really a good solution so now we're going to take it a step further so so now we've solved the problem of of the the toy rotation. But now what happens to the toys is the same thing that happens to everything in our house. It goes to the basement. When we moved in this house, I was like, this is a nice house. I don't want our basement to be full of things that we don't use. But for some reason, both of us just like, yeah, we'll use that later. We'll use that later. We'll use that later.
0: <laughs> and the basement
1: has become cluttered. Lordville.
2: Just completely cluttered. right Yeah. Well, I'm guessing that we wouldn't take stuff that's going to be used next week to the basement. So are you saying, would you no. just, where do you keep the toy? Do you just have like a space? That's the toy closet that only mom accesses access. Yes.
0: Yes. So, so there again, what are your boundaries? And they need to know that this is the, the playroom is the place where I can have my toys. The closet is where mom gets all the toys from. And those are the boundaries. You don't go mm-hmm. in the closet because that's mom's job. Um, but then they also know and understand that, the playroom is the boundary for the toys. The kitchen is the boundary for arts and crafts. There's this huge delineation so that they can understand where their things go. And as long as you have the right system in place and the wherewithal to maintain that system, there again, you're not maintaining stuff, you're maintaining a system. So you're saying the toys stay in the playroom, end of story. The um, toy rotation. Anything that we think that you're going to, you know, that you're going to grow into or that you're going to learn to love again because, you know, you're only three right now and you might find interested again when you're seven because kids just do things like that. So I'm not going to get rid of it, but I'm going to put it in the toy rotation because I'm going to keep it front of mind. So there's a system. But there are boundaries that go with the system and you have to have the control, the self-control to be able to maintain that system. And once your kids know and understand that system, it's going to become a lot easier. And then the only problem that you do have to worry about is making sure that they get it back in the right bin. And there's going to be so much less frustration because they're going to know and understand, look, you know, we only have three or five things out. We're not overrun and it's so much easier to be able to put it away. And they're not stressed out because they know the boundaries. Kids respond to boundaries so well, uh, including boundaries with toys. So if so, now let, let's address the other problem mm-hmm. of storing things forever in the basement. This has now shifted, shifted into an emotional connection with stuff. This is the we're going to use this someday. That means you're saying just in case. Just in case is actually a fear-based response. That we are worried that when we need it, we're going to be left wanting. That we aren't going to have what we need when we want it. This is really probably the most difficult emotional attachment to overcome, simply because fear is so entrenched in the oldest part of our brain. This is the survival part of our brain to say, if I get rid of this, I'm not safe anymore. If I get rid of the mega blocks. I'm not safe anymore because what if somebody is really bored one day and I need them to be distracted? I can go pull out the mega blocks, but what if I don't have the mega blocks? They're not going to be distracted and I'm not going to be able to get the things done. So we're thinking if we don't have this, we are not safe we are not okay. We are going to be left wanting. We are going to feel like we can't provide for our family, that I can't get my job done, blah, blah, blah. I mean, go down the rabbit trail on that one. It's crazy what our brains think of if we feel like we're not safe. So here we go. If we are saying, just in case, we really have to be able to pit the possibility of using it again, is it possible that I'm going to pull the mega blocks out again? Sure, because my youngest isn't even playing with toys right now. That child is going to need something to play with. The possibility of them playing with mega blocks is pretty darn high. Now, what is the probability of them playing with mega blocks? That's only something that you can answer by saying, okay, the probability is pretty high because all the rest of my kids are still pretty little. And by the time I'm going to pull the mega blocks back out, they're still going to be able to find interest in it. You know, they're not going to be teenagers at that point who are going to roll their eyes and go like, oh my gosh, mom, what are <laughs> you thinking? Um, the probability of the other kids being able to play with Mega Bloks is pretty high. So if the possibility and the probability are very high, then it's worth saving. But do you need to save as many as you have? Do you need to say two tubs worth of stuffies maybe not. So we go through a rational, you know, in the, you know, the the worst case scenario, how many mega blocks or stuffies do they actually play with at any given time? The answers to those are going to be very different, um, depending on the child. And so you really just have to logically, rationally work your way through it and say, okay, is it possible that they're going to use it again? And 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 this can go for toys. This can go for anything else you are saving in the basement. Anything else you are saving in the basement. This can go for Christmas decorations, for Easter decorations. This can go for clothes. This can go for grow into um, shoes that you're saving for your kids to pass down. What is the possibility of them wearing it versus the probability of them wearing it? If it is both possible and probable then how many do you need to save? Okay. If you host um, parties all the time, and so you have, you know, cloth napkins, and when it comes right down to it, you never, ever, ever pull out the cloth napkins. You just go buy the fancy paper ones from the store. Then the possibility is there that you could use them, but the probability is incredibly low. Mm. So get rid of the freaking cloth napkins. (laughs) Okay. Or... If you have 30 cloth napkins, but the the most you ever host is 15 people at your house, then you can say, okay, well, I am going to save 15. Worst case scenario, somebody spills a drink and they use their napkin to mop up the drink. And so they're going to use two cloth napkins for that. So I need two extra just in case. Now you can say, okay, just in case I have enough for the just in case moments. And you know what? I'm going to even throw one more in there for something that I haven't thought of. Now, all of a sudden, I'm only saving 18 cloth napkins instead of 30. So I just got rid of 12 cloth napkins that I don't have the possibility or the probability of using. Mm-hmm. But I still have what I want and what I need, even for the just-in-case moments. But I logically and rationally thought my way through that. So I know I'm covered, but I also know that you know for, I'm, I'm covered for the just-in-case moments, but I'm also um, saving things on purpose. So I don't have this thing eating at me in the back of my mind going, okay, I'm going to save it, but, but I kind of feel guilty because it's too much, but, but I know I'm going to need them at some point, but, 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 but there are no more buts. We are confidently getting rid of the ones that we don't need and we are purposefully keeping the ones that we do. Wow.
2: I, yeah, I know. I'm, so while you're talking, I'm realizing I have two different personalities when it comes to cleaning. <laughs> <I laughs> mad. <seemly laughs> <in that.
1: laughs> I am,
2: on one hand, I can very easily throw stuff away, get rid of it, throw it in a donation box, which usually ends up in the garage or the car, never makes it to the donation Mm, place. (laughs) But on the other hand, I do have the, I could use that one day. Like, I have the emotional, like, well grandma got them that stuffed animal or yes, they have a ton of stuffed animals and I'll be like ready to get rid of some of them. And then all of a sudden they start playing with it and they really love it. And I'm like, well,
1: it's new and novel again, but that's what I'm saying.
2: I really struggle with the emotional part. Like if something, okay. So they have a kitchen set and they have a food truck. So there's a lot of like little food things that drive me crazy, get spread throughout the house. But (laughs) when I go to go through them, I'm like, well, Oh, and they have a grocery store. You can't so, have a
1: cheeseburger without a hot dog. No, no. <laughs> right? I
2: mean, no. When I go through them like, well, they play with this. Like, when stuff is nice and still put together and they could play with it, I do. I get like, well, what am I supposed to do? I'm to just throw that away. Like, that's a nice toy. Even if they don't play with it now, if it's nice and put together, I have trouble. So I take it to the basement and yes, then I never look at it again.
0: Help. So it's, <laughs> it's so funny because you are layering up she's um, frozen. a lot.
1: A lot of uh oh. Don't freeze. This is a good episode.
0: Ashley unfreeze. I'm still here. <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> I will keep talking until you tell me that I'm not stop frozen it anymore. Just to make sure it okay. I'm still here. I pr- It's actually funny that you should mention that. So there are actually five five emotional components when it comes to stuff. And any excuse you give me will fit into one of these five categories. And you're layering a lot of them right now. So the first one is is time. Time leads to the emotion of overwhelm. And we feel like we just can't deal with it right now. Um, which you're not necessarily dealing with the immediate structure of time. You are dealing with the time where we need to take the time to process uh, the emotion of a relationship. So it's not like you don't have the time to deal with a toy. That's, that's whatever you're, you're taking the time to deal with the emotion of somebody gave this to me. And that requires a time component. Nostalgia is the next one. And that is a big one because nostalgia is combining a lot of different emotions all at once. But nostalgia must bring happiness. It must connect you to something greater and it must withstand the test of time. So there are some things that it was like, Oh, that was so great. But I don't know why I saved it. Like, I don't know why I thought this was so important. Well, at the time, back then, when you first made the choice, it meant something to you. But now time has said, um, this is kind of ridiculous. I don't need it anymore. So, nostalgia, we have to know and understand the, those three components of nostalgia. It must bring happiness, no matter what other feeling we feel with nostalgia. It must connect us to something greater and it must withstand the test of time. Then there's guilt. And that's usually self-imposed because this was a gift. Somebody gave it to us. We feel like if we throw something away, we're throwing away the relationship. um, And we feel guilty keeping it because we don't need it. It's just taking up space. But we also feel guilty getting rid of it because it was a present. And I'm getting rid of an emotion, a a relationship if I get rid of it. There is also the um, perceived value. This was expensive. I could sell this for a lot of money. I spent so, so we, much money oh. on all of this. You know, we just look around and we just, you know, as we scan our house, we just go ching, ching 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 ching. Or it looks like this was my mom's favorite toy. This was my favorite toy growing up. Therefore, it should be your favorite toy growing up because it was valuable to me. Therefore, it should be valuable to you. Or it was valuable to somebody else, and so therefore it should be valuable to me. But it's not, necessarily. So this perceived value, and we forget the value is more than just money. Value can also mean time. It can also mean space. It can also mean peace of mind. It can mean getting everything done that you need to in your day. So we often attribute value to money or relationships, but that's not necessarily what value truly is. And then we have the fear factor of what if just in case and and we attribute it that way. So so when you're going through, you know, toys or something and you're saying, "Okay, I can keep this um just in case because it's still good, it's a complete set, it's still a good toy, and somebody gave this to me and so I'm going to keep it." You just layered up several of those five emotions. Okay, you just mm-hmm. said I'm gonna keep it, it's still good, perceived value. Um, my kids might play with this someday, the time factor, and um, you know I'm gonna ke- so I'm gonna keep it just in case. Plus, Grandma gave it to them, and therefore, I have to show Grandma that we're saving it because we have a good relationship with her, and we can't throw that away. You just layered up four emotional factors into one choice.
1: Ouch.
2: I did not know this was going to be a therapy session for Jonna Wait, today. Listen,
1: listen, listen, listen. We need to stop and go back to the I can sell this piece. Because no, we don't. No, 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 no. Hear me out. We need to stop and go back to that. Because truthfully, there have been so many things that we have collectively. I'm, I'm trying not to put you on front street here. Too that, late. That we have collectively said like, okay, we need to get rid of this. But then one of us. The smart, beautiful one in the relationship. uh Actually, did you see what I did there? Did you see see the delivery? All right. So anyway, (laughs) one of us says, no, 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 we can sell that. We can sell that. So Facebook Marketplace has become this like, we should get on it, but we don't have time to get on it.
2: Because sweet, dear husband of mine. (laughs) This was, especially back whenever I did not, I work part-time now, I had no means of income and it got me really excited Uh, when I would sell something on Facebook and then I could turn around and use that to buy more stuff. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. There it is. I can can buy another bin. I can buy another set of toys. I can do whatever. So now I do furniture
2: a lot. Right.
0: Yes. And the only things, I mean, the only currencies of life are time and money. That's what we can spend. Uh, money is replaceable, time is not. So whenever we say, "I I can get money for this, all of a sudden we switch from the perceived value side of things into the time side of things. How proactive am I going to be with my time to gain the value that I'm looking for? So if, first of all, I have to look at this toy and say, really, what is the value of this to me? Is the value of it getting money out of it? Is that really top priority? If the answer is yes, then it flips to a time component to say, how much time am I now willing to spend to gain money? I'm exchanging time for money here, just like with anything. So if the high priority, if the highest value is gaining the money back, then what am I doing proactively with my time to gain that money? Because if it just sits and I'm not doing anything with my time or I'm wasting my time trying to sell this, then I am actually devaluing my time and devaluing the object simply because I'm not using my time to actually go and spend it. So if I say priority number one is to go and sell this, but I never actually go and sell it, then that wasn't really priority number one. And and you're not taking action on the things that are going to give you priority number one. So, is priority number one really priority number one? Is the value really getting the money out of it, or is the value in my time? And I should just get it out of my house and be done with it, so that I'm not wasting my time on it. So, yes. what's your answer, John? Layer up number two. <laughs> <laughs> we layer up these emotional components though, but but this is what makes me a little bit different than than most professional organizers. Most professional organizers don't care. They just want to make it beautiful. I shouldn't say that. A lot of professional organizers just want to make it beautiful and they want to help you find a system, but they don't dig into that emotional component mm-hmm. of the stuff, of the clutter. And so you can see that there's this whole extra added step that we don't even think about. You know, so many people just say, "Well, you just need to get rid of it. You just need to get rid of it or you need to organize it." But they don't understand that that organizing is actually way far into the process of dealing with our emotions and our thought process of now what? What comes next? So we actually have to deal with the emotional component of things first and then we declutter. And then we organize and set up systems and then we go by the bins.
1: Can you say that one more time? (laughs) I reverse it. (laughs) No, I'm not even being a jerk. Can you say that one more time? Cause that was, no, I think that's really good.
0: So number one is you have to deal with the emotional components and understand the action steps that we actually need to take with our stuff. And then we need to actually declutter And decluttering means getting rid of that middle ground. There's no if, there's no maybe. We either hang on to it on purpose or we declutter with confidence. No middle ground. So we deal with the emotional component first. Then we declutter. So there's no middle ground. Then we set up a system called getting organized. And then we set up a structure. Then we go by the bins to support our system. That's the step. That's the step.
1: That's very, great, very great, great yeah. stuff. So now let's talk about my problems. Okay, no, um, bring it on. Right. Okay. Did you want to address that? Well, first? I just
2: want to make sure. Are we? I'd like to talk about the mis- emotional part of how it actually affects us mentally.
1: Yeah. Too.
0: Is this going to tie in? Um,
1: I don't know. Maybe. Maybe so we'll see. The, okay.
0: You. You have to understand. That there's there's a chicken and the egg effect that goes into the emotional components because if our house, if we are emotionally not there, if we are stressed out, if we have four kids under the age of five, if we have um, job changes and deaths in the family, and we have so much going on, I am so strapped for time, I am so mentally not with it, we can cause the clutter in our house because we're not we're more worried about the emotional side of what's going on in our brain than we are about the physical stuff that's going on in our home. And so our, our our physical space falls apart simply because our mental state isn't there. And it can go the other way around. We can cause stress and anxiety and depression, all these situational things that, that we truly deeply feel, we can cause those by having our physical stuff out of whack. So it's it's dang near impossible to deal with both at the same time. If you're dealing with one or the other, it's a lot easier to handle. But if you're dealing with one or the other and and you're causing it and and all of a sudden both your mental and your physical space is totally disorganized, then it's time to start looking into getting professional help. And I'm not, you know, I'm not saying you have to go therapy route. I'm just saying get one or the other in order so that the other one um, you know the the next domino can fall and in, in getting your space and your the the emotional side squared away. So yeah, our mental state can cause mess, but also vice versa. Our mess can cause mental you know mental health problems as well. It can go both ways. I'm
2: literally in a crazy eight with that. Yeah. Am I not? Because yeah. it's both. It's I'm in the crazy eight with that. It's causing me problems and I'm causing the problems all at once because I'm so overwhelmed by the mess. But then I'm paralyzed, kind of like what you were saying with kids when they're overwhelmed by all the toys and they just don't know what to do. That's me. We have this big house and I'm overwhelmed, so overwhelmed by the mess that I'm paralyzed. And I keep trying to start these systems and I can't because,
0: so because there's my mental stress – There's this funny thing about kids
1: that they're
0: really, really resilient Mm -hmm. and they can be very, very creative if we let them be very creative. So many times we give them stuff to say, here, let this entertain you instead of here, figure out how to make this entertain you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I experimented on my kids and um, I'd like to think that my experiment went pretty well because my kids. are very limited in their imagination. My oldest is on the autism spectrum. My second oldest is ADHD, OCD, SPD, um, uh, SCT. I mean, you name it; he's got all the letters after his name. And my youngest deals with sensory processing disorder. Um, so we we have a lot of challenges that go on in our house. And one of the things that my kids don't do very well is get um, imaginative. They can get creative. Sort of, but they're not very imaginative. But I had had it one day and I said, I am so done. I am done with all of the stuff. And I took all of my kids' toys and I locked them up for a week. All of them. Every last stinking toy. Mm. I locked them up for a week. And I said, you know, this was just kind of an experiment. I want to see what happens. And I thought I was going to ruin my kids. I thought they were going to, you know, that this was like child abuse and neglect. I thought that it was going to be the end of the world. That I was going to have to entertain them every second of every day. And I didn't. And I didn't. And I didn't ruin my kids. And they didn't crawl the walls. And they didn't. It was almost refreshing for them. They didn't ask for their toys back.
2: Wow. And so
0: I left the toys in the closet for another week. And they didn't ask for their toys back. And by the end of the second week, they said, Mom, where did our Legos go? And I said, you want your Legos back? Okay. Here are your Legos. And they played with their Legos and only their Legos for another two weeks. Whoa. And I was just going, oh, my word. What did I just do to my kids? All of a sudden they were taking a stick, you know, um, a ruler or a stick that they went and found out in the backyard. And the youngest was turning it into a gun to, to play his army, you know, his army guy stuff. And my second oldest would turn it into a fishing pole. And my oldest would turn it into a wand. And so they were taking something so simple as a stick and actually getting creative with it. And I saw so much growth in my own kids simply from taking their toys away that all of a sudden they were forced to entertain themselves instead of me giving them something to make them entertained. Mm -hmm. I stopped giving the responsibility of keeping my kids entertained I stopped giving that responsibility to stuff and I gave it to them. And I said, what tools do you need to be successful? And it's just shifting that responsibility from stuff to the person made it all the difference, Uh, you know, made all the difference. It, It made them think. And my youngest at the time was four. So obviously when your kids are little, they have a hard time regulating. They have a hard time understanding. And so, yes, there is absolutely time required to teach the kids how to play with toys. But there again, teach them how to play with toys. Don't just give them the toys and say, here, this will entertain you. Mm-hmm. It's, hey, today with our mega blocks, we're going to build a city. But tomorrow, we're going to build something else. And we're going to turn the mega blocks into a bag. And then that bag is going to be magic and it's going to, we're going to pull things out of this bag and we're going to be able to play with it. But then the next day, we're going to turn the mega blocks into um a, a corral, a barn for the My Little Ponies. But the next day, and so it's them thinking like, what do I want to create with my toys instead of, Um, this was just the Mega Blocks and I built everything that was on the container of the Mega Blocks and now I'm bored. (laughs) That's low. Okay, so my my mind is blown right now.
2: There's so much to unpack here. Yeah, my mind is blown. Well, first of all, just real fast, and I want you to get to your problems because we need to out those two. We don't have to worry about this episode. (laughs) I just want to say that uh What I'm thinking while you're saying that is, you know, with screens and with stuff, the overload of Mm -hmm. toys these days, I feel like I see so many of us parents seeing our kids not be able to be imaginative, imaginative. Gosh, my voice. Um, And that right there, just like, I feel like that's a challenge that all of us parents need to try to let our kids' little brains get less overwhelmed and readapt to. It's a dopamine reset. Yeah, it it is. It it is is a
1: legit dopamine reset. And so to be clear, did they have screen time during that period of time when toys were locked up? Nope. No, I love it.
0: None at all. My my kids don't get TV hardly at all. They don't get screens. Mm -hmm. They don't get TV. They don't get, um, we don't have, we haven't had any subscription of any sort since we've been married. So my kids have not been raised on, on any sort of media. So yeah, I took my, my kids toys away and, um, They had nothing they had they had art they could they had colored pencils and scissors and paper Mm -hmm. and they they almost didn't touch those at all they they found other ways they found other ways of entertaining themselves and it was like jaw-dropping experience for me but then i realized okay what are we doing to our kids this goes so deep so many levels Um, and I realized that, you know, taking my kids toys away, uh, was not going to destroy them and they actually functioned so much better with fewer toys, um, in the space. And so that's why I can teach it because if, if my special needs kids can handle not having toys for two weeks, uh, I feel like most people, I'm not going to say all, I feel like most people, um, can probably do the same experiment and see what happens. Mm-hmm. and see what we'll happens. Say,
2: I can hear the person with one child saying, "Okay, but they still had each other like my kid doesn't have anybody to play with." And or I've I hear a lot of parents who have one child say like they feel like it's their responsibility to play with that's and entertain point. their children. So that's somebody who I'm hearing in my in my head right now, I'll be like,
0: "Yeah, Ashley, but right. and and that's and that's totally fine. I get that too. And so, so what do we do? We make new boundaries. We make different boundaries. Instead of saying right. you guys have the responsibility to entertain, you know, each other, take that responsibility upon yourselves. Like, it's not like I don't go and play with my kids. It's just I can probably get away with it a little bit longer before I go and sit down and play with my kids. But what am I teaching my? Am I teaching my kids how? I mean. We think of this all the time, you know. We don't want to teach our kids what to think. We want to teach our kids how to think. Mm-hmm. So the same the same thing goes for our toys. I don't want to teach my kids what to play with. I want to teach my kids how to play. So teach them that, um, you know. And I and I dug into that simply because my oldest she didn't understand that. You know, we would pull out the Polly Pockets, and she'd say, "You know, Mom, what is this?" And I said, "Well, that's a bag," or it could be, uh, um. You know, a a gift bag for a birthday party, or it could be her purse, or it could be her little bag that she put her doggy in. You know, or it could be, and she just she froze and she's no, no, and she couldn't she couldn't imagine that bag being anything other than you know what whatever it was. I said it was first. Oh, that's her purse, or it could be no, mom, it's her purse, or it could be no, mom, it's her purse and she didn't get it but i kept at it i kept at it and i kept at it and i kept at it and i taught her how to play and i turned it into a game and then we turned it into you know instead of turning the purse into all these different things we you know we we took it and we said okay betty just left her house our neighbor betty could be going to the movies with a friend or betty could be going to visit her husband in the hospital or betty could be going to the grocery store Or Betty could be going to buy new flowers for her kitchen table. Or, and so we turned it into a game and, and she was very resistant to it at the beginning, but she caught on and now she still plays the game. Mm. You know, mom, what's the answer to this? It's this, or it could be, and it's like, isn't that what we want our kids to be? We don't want them to put them in, you know, we don't want to put them in a box. We don't want them to be that person that, you know, school, trains the creativity out of them. So -hmm. what are we teaching them when we're young? It can start with fewer toys. I mean, it can go so deep with this whole conversation, but it really can start with just get rid of the toys and then teach your kids how to entertain themselves. So even if you only have one child or you have a special needs child, you can still figure out a system that works for you to teach your kids how to play with less. So you don't have to get rid of all of your toys. Just don't have them all out all at once and teach them how to play, how to be entertained with what they've got. So even if they only have fuzzy sticks and a colander out of the kitchen, they could stay entertained for hours because they can turn fuzzy sticks and a colander into 50 different things and the three-year-old can play with it, and the 11-year-old can play with it.
1: Ashley, what do you think about boundaries within where they're playing with their toys? Because we've had this conversation a lot, so so I've always felt like it's best to it's best to create like a really tight boundary. And then as things open up and it makes sense, it's fine. But basically I've been like, look, I don't want toys all over our living room. I don't want toys in the kitchen. I don't want toys in all these different places. I've been trying to keep them like centralized. Um, And I think, I think that we realize, especially with the more kids you have, it literally like, it does take over your emotions and your mental health and all that stuff. When Mm -hmm toys are scattered. So what would you say about the importance of like a centralized place for kids to play?
0: There is a very important rule that I teach and that is yours, mine, and ours. And I'm not talking about blended families. (laughs) I'm talking about space. You have your space. Your bedroom is your space and your responsibility. So what do you want in your room to help you be successful with what you were doing in your room? You don't need toys in your room. To be successful. Now, there are people who, you know, they don't have uh, a playroom or a living room. And so the toys do need to be in the bedroom. And so then you do have to rework those boundaries, but it's your space and you take care of it. I am not responsible for your space. Likewise, I have my space. You are not responsible for my space, nor can you contribute stuff to my space. So you may not bring anything into my room. That's my space. That is my choice, my boundaries. End of story. Done. That's mine. Yours is yours. Mine is mine. And we also have our space. The kitchen, the living room, the laundry room, you know, whatever you decide is our space. But then everybody has to take responsibility for balancing that out. This isn't my house and therefore it's my... No parents set the parameters and then everybody that's using the space has to contribute to what works and what functions. So one child's toys taking over the entire space is not okay because this is our space. So then you go to that child and you say, I see your Barbies on the floor and I am stepping on them. That's a problem because I use the space too and it breaks your Barbies. So what are we going to do to fix this problem? And so parents get involved, children get involved, and we come up with a solution for our space. If the toys or clothes or shoes or whatever it is come into my space, that's a problem. And if you choose to bring your stuff into my space, it is now my choice to decide what to do with it. So if I decide to throw it away, that's my choice and you don't have a say in it. If your stuff is in your space, that's up to you. Congratulations. You can have it whatever you you know, whatever, which way you want. Now, obviously parents still have parameters and you have every right to say your bed needs to be made every day. And no, you may not live in a pigsty. Like, hello. Okay. We still have to parent and we still have to make those choices. But right. if we say, um, you know, your space is up to you, that means parents, that means That we don't go into our kids' bedrooms when they're at school and throw stuff away. That means we go in with the child and help them learn how to take care of their space. So -hmm. we don't break trust. We don't do that. We treat their space with respect just as much as we expect our space to be treated with respect. But then we have our space where everybody works together.
1: What do you think, babe? I am I mean, you know, I'm totally like, she's my spirit animal. Okay? Oh. But, but I mean, come on. What do you think, Jonna?
2: I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Chris has tried to do this for a while where toys only stay. Well, we did have a playroom. We turned that into an office. So now their toys are in their rooms. Um, Yeah. I, I struggled when Chris wanted to implement this with saying, I don't want the house to feel like a prison of just constant like, rules because i because i'm the one who's home all day right. so i feel like i'm constantly like do this do this do this we did get to a point where they know no toys are in the kitchen they rarely bring them in the kitchen um they, they've gotten a lot better but i like that because i do i cannot stand my bedroom <laughs> little this like there's a little barbie shoe oh, and there's a little so comb like and that. there's a stuffed animal and there's their little shoe like you know just stuff there's stuff everywhere and overwhelms me Um, So I do like that idea. I guess my brain's just thinking like of our own kids. I'm like, okay, that would work with our five-year-old start to work with our almost four year old, our two-year-old. No, she doesn't care about (laughs) anything. She doesn't care about anything. Like I, and like, I understand that it's a process. Cause when you were saying that earlier in the episode, I was thinking, okay, when we started a sleep routine with our kids, it felt like it was never going to be successful. And after months of consistency, Now, for the most part, knock on wood, bedtime Mm -hmm. is pretty, pretty easy compared to what it used to be, but because we, because we stuck with it. So I get what you said earlier about kids being resilient and we just kind of have to like decide what we want for our home and for our kids and then just stick with it. Um, So I'm here for it. Honestly, I just want to get off of here and just get rid of a bunch of stuff. I'm ready (laughs) to clean and organize.
0: But, but Jonna, this is okay. So this is where you're going to feel happy about this right now. Because this is when we can start shifting the responsibility away from the parent onto the system, which means onto containers and bins. Yes!
1: You bought enough so of those.
0: Now, oh, yeah. now this is this is what this is where you can use stuff to help you and to help you stick with a system that's going to mean success in your home rather than just trying to cope with the mass quantities of things. So yeah. we want to use stuff as boundaries and parameters so that you don't have to be emotionally involved in what's going on. For example, when you color code your kids, okay, I gave my, my kids chose whatever color they wanted. So my daughter is black. My son, my oldest son is blue. My youngest son is green. Um, I take that back. My daughter wanted to be black. She chose purple in the end. Um, so everything that my kids have, at least in the home is their color. So they have, I got colored tape. They got 20 hangers and they got colored tape on the top of their hangers. So there is no more like I ran out of hangers. Well, you have 20, go find them. So my (laughs) son has 20, 20 blue hangers and that's all he can have is 20 blue hangers. So if you have more shirts than 20, what shirt are you going to get rid of? now all of a sudden it's not, mom's making me get rid of, no, you have 20 hangers and you have more shirts than 20. So what shirt are you going to get rid of? All of a sudden the stuff is holding the line, not mom. Mm. Instead of whose towel is on the floor again, it's, I see a purple towel on the floor. And the person who owns the purple towel goes, oh, that's mine. When the green lunchbox gets left on the counter, who didn't put the lunchbox away? It's green. All of a oh sudden, my gosh. They, have to take, it. they have to take responsibility because the stuff, the boundaries are made by the stuff, not by mom and dad. Hmm. So now all of a sudden, there's so much less fighting. Hey, you have a junk drawer. That's where it belongs. Go put it in the junk drawer. This isn't whose stuff is this and where does it go? And it doesn't really have a home. That's okay. You have a junk drawer. Go put it in your junk drawer. Oh, your junk drawer is full. Hmm. Well, it can't overflow. We can't, you know, the the junk drawer. I don't have a magic wand to make the junk drawer bigger. So I guess that means we have to get rid of things out of the junk drawer. Go through and find five things out of your junk drawer that you're done with. And all of a sudden, the bins and the boundaries and the system is holding your family responsible, not mom. There is no more arguing because all of a sudden, the system is holding them accountable. And then mom and dad are available for the emotional support that the kids need. Not screaming and hollering, Mom, screaming again, go hide in your bedroom.
1: Dude. This is nuts. Oh. This is, so essentially, <laughs> this is your kid's favorite color on crack, right? Like this is yes. hardcore. Like,
0: yes. what they switch. It's no, your favorite color. I, I totally did. And I made it that way. I chose to do that on purpose. My house doesn't look like Pinterest, but my house functions. This is the difference between Pinterest organization. Everybody has a white towel. Great. Mm-hmm. Well, five white towels are going to end up on the floor and everybody's going to say, it's not me. And I have to fight and I have to argue to maintain my Pinterest perfect home and my kids are going to hate me for it. Instead, instead, I have a son who has 20 blue hangers, a blue backpack, a blue blanket, a blue towel, blue lunchbox and a blue water bottle. And I have a daughter with purple everything and I have a son with green everything. And now all of a sudden when I come in and see a pile of blue on the living room floor, (laughs) I can call one child and say, I'm seeing a sea of blue over here. Go take care of it. Oh,
2: can I do this with my husband too? Can I, can I, can he have 20 orange hangers please? Because and that's just it. Like it, it all depends on what
0: limits and what boundaries, what system is going to work best for you in your home. And then stick to it. Put those limits and boundaries on yourself too. Show your kids that, hey, look, I'm not just blowing smoke here. I am living the same rules. I am holding myself accountable the same way. I don't have a huge walk-in closet full of clothes. I have eight pairs of shoes and I have 30 hangers. That's it. End of story. And I hold myself accountable. And then pants, I have as many pants as what fit into a milk crate. But I use the milk crate as a boundary. I say, I don't have enough room in the milk crate for another pair of pants. So. Boots, Chana? Boots,
1: anyone? Boots? <laughs> I'm where where do they fit? She has 25 brown boots, 25 pairs of brown boots. Like, I'm not even sure they make sure they're all different sizes and styles. Right,
2: (laughs) right. They're they're in the basement because I'm not using them right now.
0: Oh, boy. But I might. So start this whole recording over with you (laughs) and shoes instead of toys. There we go. Right, right. No, it, it really is. What concepts? I teach concepts. And I really teach them on purpose because there is no one size fits all. There is no, you know, we could be talking to somebody who has eight kids and homeschools. We could be talking to somebody who has one kid and works outside the home. We could be talking to everything in between. And so I teach the concept. How do I understand the problem? How, what action steps do I need to take to fix it so that I can repeat this? idea, this concept, this action step, no matter where I am in life, no matter if I move for the 21st time, no matter if I have another baby, it doesn't matter because I've learned concepts, not a
1: solution. Mm.
0: Pinterest will teach you a solution. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: A professional organizer can teach you a concept. So learn the concepts, stop putting a bandaid on it. And instead, learn, figure out what's giving you the paper cuts. If you can stop the paper cuts, you don't need the band aids.
1: (sighs) Dude, we got to end it at that. That is. That was phenomenal. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak for both of us. We're gonna do a session with you because we have to like get the ball rolling. Say, here. where do
0: you live? Do you live in Montana right now? <laughs> no, no. So we actually just moved to Utah, but I do lots of virtual consultations.
2: Say, okay. so moving with kids, you're a
0: saint because that's yeah. terrible. Yeah, that <laughs> is, Nuts, isn't it? It's crazy. Oh it's my gosh, well. no. But I'm sure you have I a nice it. system. now.
1: seriously, I'm like eager right now for us to schedule our call with her <laughs> and get things moving because you literally just like opened up our diaries and like spoke to our souls. Uh, it
2: was wild speak for yourself. I literally just like <laughs> open air, like <laughs> session, full out therapy oh session for Jana because I have all of the problems. M- that no, you, but, 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 you, but, but,
1: okay, actually, actually, here's the last question for you. And then we will let you go. And then we have to do another episode. We're not going to ask you. We're just going to have to do another episode. <laughs> okay. All right. But here's the thing. Okay. Um, look, what's the first step in couples coming together and starting to rethink clutter?
0: You have to validate each other. Step number one for couples is you have to validate because um, George Carlin, and you can beep this out if you need to, but this is a quote. George Carlin was a stand-up comedian and he cannot say it any better than anybody else. He said, have you ever noticed that your shit is stuff and somebody else's stuff is shit? Right. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) If it doesn't belong to you, it doesn't matter. Right. And so you need to be able to talk as a couple to be able to say, this is important to me. And I know it doesn't mean anything to you, but it is important to me. And I'm not expecting you to have this value. Like, just because I think it's important does not mean that you need to think this is important. It just means that you need to understand that it's important to me and we can work from there. So you have to be able to validate each other and understand where you're coming from before you can move on to the next step of understanding the emotional ties. You just have to know and understand that this is important to somebody. And that could mean, hey, this is important to me. Yeah, but it's all over the counter and open space is important to me. So we don't say, well, yeah, but Mm -mm. we say, okay, I understand that this is important to you. Can you please understand that open space is important to me? Okay, we've both understood. This is important to you. This is important to me. Now, how can we help each other set each other up for success? So, you have to validate, is step number one for couples. Validate, validate, validate. Understand what's important to you and validate that other things are going to be important to your spouse. So before you do anything else, before you tackle anything else, validate each other. So you're telling
2: me when I made a Facebook post for Chris's 1990 starberry pants <laughs> saying if he gets a <laughs> if, if get hundred likes on this, making Chris get rid of them. <laughs> that was not. Them. Yeah. Probably not him. the right approach. <laughs> Probably not. No, no. That's but no, so and so we, did list we did get both. rid of them though.
1: Right. Oh, my, but, oh,
0: Ashley, this, so, this was I mind blowing. I teach very simple structures in five steps. So there are five reasons why we hang on to things, those five emotional reasons, which means we have five steps, action steps to letting them go. Then, once we've decluttered, we have five steps to getting organized. And again, I'm teaching principles. So you take the principle and you apply it into your own setting and situation. I'm not saying you need 30 bins and 20 hangers and that will get you set up. This is a concept. Take the concept. There are five steps. Now go put it into practice. And then I have five steps for boosting productivity in your home. So I can teach boosting productivity to entrepreneurs and business owners, but I can also teach it to how, how do you boost the productivity in your space? Just simply based on what you want to do. Okay. So you want to go snowboarding every summer, every winter? Fine. How are we going to use our time so that you can make that a priority? So how can we boost that productivity as it relates to physical things in our space and human relationships? So it's five, five, and five are the concepts that I teach. Five reasons, five rees to getting organized, like rethink clutter, five mm-hmm. rees, and then the five P's of productivity. That's what I teach.
1: I I'm (laughs) I'm obsessed with your methods. Yeah, this is so up your alley. That was so amazing. Um now you have to tell everybody where they can find you. Um and then we are gonna schedule a call with you after this. (laughs) That's awesome.
0: Yeah. If if you're in Utah, find me at rethinkclutter.com but um nationwide I am just find me on Facebook at rethinking clutter. So Rethinking Clutter all my, all my tips, all my tricks, all my, uh, you know, upcoming challenges or, you know, freebies and that, all that kind of stuff. So
1: Amazing. that's where to find
0: me. Mind blown.
1: Incredible. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Ashley.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for letting me talk. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Ashley. Thanks so much for listening to the grow yourself,
2: grow your marriage podcast. As you guys know, as you heard, this episode was complete gold, a whole different way to think about clutter and stuff and toys and clothes and all the things you have in your house. Please go share it with somebody. And don't forget to go follow Ashley at Rethinking Clutter on social media.